Psalm 1 gives us this beautiful picture, at least I think it's beautiful, of those who seek to follow God's will. The psalmist describes them as trees rooted in a fertile and well-watered soil, yielding fruit regularly, green with life. All this because they're nurtured by the time spent studying God's word and will. And this leads them to act justly, to seek righteousness. They can withstand the storms and the droughts of life because of this firm rooting that they have. This rooting, this connection, is the basis for our connection one to another. And the New Testament gives us a couple of very powerful metaphors for this. We are branches on the vine that is Christ. We are members of the body. And Christ is the head of that body, the head of the church. In the case of the body metaphor, Paul spends considerable time about our relationship with each other. And even the harsh words we read in today's gospel text about division caused by discipleship remind us that we are connectional creatures. We can't embrace the message of Jesus and not expect there won't be a cost in relationship with others. And that biblical truth of connection, we've come to understand, applies in a wider sense as well. We are not creatures who stand above creation, acting with impunity when it comes to how we treat the world. Our use of the resources in this world, our living in this world, has an impact. We're connected to the natural order. And through it, that means we're also connected to each other in another way. In the 1930s, this country experienced a widespread natural disaster in its heartland. In the 1920s, mechanized farming was widely adopted, making it possible for farmers to cultivate much larger areas. In the Plain States, farmers plowed under the prairie grasses, replacing them with vast wheat fields. And then the Depression arrived, and these overly cultivated lands, many of them were abandoned, and what ensued was the Great Dust Bowl. Poverty and migration followed for many. It's just one example of how connected we are to one another through creation. Choices have a cumulative effect, not only on those right around us, but also on those who are geographically and generationally removed from us. The human population has grown to the point on this planet that we're having a significant impact on where we live. And that, of course, means we're having an impact on each other. And on a per capita basis, and even on a gross measurement basis, Americans are often leaders in the consumption of vital resources, and we're often leaders in terms of carbon footprint. And that means our connection to others on this planet takes on aspects of justice and righteousness. And Psalm 1 has a thing or two to teach us about these very issues. Ismael Garcia describes this striking contrast between the righteous and the wicked. The righteous, he says, are those open to, dependent on, and trusting of the presence of God and the realization of God's reign. The wicked follow a different way. 
They are a law to themselves, living by their own wit and cunning and self-determination. Being their own master, they're free to seek and secure their self-interest. Being their own judge, they find themselves to be justified in doing whatever they want. We love that idea that we're free to choose whatever we want. The self-made person is an iconic figure in our culture. These icons that make their own choices, plow their own path. Plenty of those figures, their biographies, if you read them, are filled with stories of how they climbed the ladder, stepping on others as they succeeded. But it isn't just these kind of driven people or the one percenters living at the top of the economic pyramid that live this way with little regard for others. It's easy for any of us to slip into that place where we make decisions with little regard to the impact of others. We vote for candidates simply because they promise a tax cut. We buy where it's cheapest and most convenient, negatively impacting local businesses. We chase the latest fashion trends, even though we have closets bursting with barely worn clothes. We purchase packaged foods, contributing more to the landfills because it's quick and convenient. And please note, I use the first person plural for all those statements. I've been guilty of all of those at one time or another. Psalm 1 gives us part of the reason for why we live this way. Rather than immersing ourselves deeply in the teachings about justice and righteousness we find in both Testaments, we immerse ourselves in a culture that tells us, consume more and forget the consequences. But that's a path that will find us blown away like the soil described in this psalm, like the chaff in this psalm of the soil of the dust bowl. Our poor choices bring destruction often even our own destruction. But the good news is we don't have to live this way. Psalm 1 calls us to a different way of living, thinking, consuming. It's a way of life connected to God and connected to one another. It's a way of life that recognizes the incredible connection that we're blessed with to the world around us, to the wide world around us. This way of life stands against the mistreatment of the poor and the oppressed, and certainly that involves direct actions we can take, but it also involves choices, consumer choices, that impact this world and impact others. Just an example of how the poorest in our world tend to suffer. In 2017, the Lancet Commission on Pollution and Health, and the Lancet is a a medical journal, published a study that concluded the following. Pollution is strongly linked to poverty. Nearly 92% of the pollution-related deaths occur in low- and middle-income countries. Children face the highest risks and are the most vulnerable victims of pollution because small exposures to chemicals in utero and early childhood can result in lifelong disease, disability, premature death, as well as reduced learning and earning potential. We can make different choices. We can plunge into learning God's will for how we should live. 
We have a wide variety of places to look and to learn in the Bible. The words of the Hebrew prophets, the descriptions of how Jesus treated others, the ethics found in the epistles to the churches in the New Testament, all of them provide wisdom, but they also give us challenges. Take Paul's description I mentioned earlier about making choices as a Christian. How do we balance our freedom from the law that we love knowing we have and the possibility of causing others to stumble? Paul doesn't just give us a simple list of do's and don'ts. Instead, he challenges brothers and sisters to make thoughtful decisions to find the right balance to help the body. And that same kind of thoughtfulness, that same kind of wisdom, is something we need when it comes to make appropriate use of the good world God has made for us. We need to plan carefully, act with regard for others, evaluate choices, listen with humility, learn from each other, and recognize we're all going to make mistakes and we all have some things to learn. But if we focus our attention on this work, on God's direction for our lives and for society, we will find wisdom that will help us deepen our connection with the world rather than damage it, and deepen our connection with one another rather than causing damage to others. One example, one passage that beautifully reminds how much creation can bless us and how much we count on it. This is part of Psalm 104. By the streams, the birds of the air have their habitation. They sing among the branches. From your lofty abode, you water the mountains. The earth is satisfied with the fruit of your work. You cause the grass to grow for the cattle and the plants for people to use, to bring forth food from the earth and wine to gladden the human heart oil to make the face shine, and bread to strengthen the human heart. The trees of the Lord are watered abundantly, the cedars of, Le of, Le of Lebanon that he planted. In them the birds build their nests. The stork has its home in the fir trees. The high mountains are for the wild goats. The rocks are a refuge for the conies. You've made the moon to mark the seasons. The sun knows it's time for setting. You make darkness and it is night when all the animals of the forest come creeping out. The young lions roar for their prey, seeking their food from God. When the sun rises, they withdraw and lie down in their dens. People go out to their work and to their labor until evening. Here, in just a few verses, we hear the birds singing and see the wonder of the lofty mountains. We see the cattle in the pastures and the fields ripe with grain. Wine lifts our hearts and oil softens our skin. The forest spreads its canopy of shade. The goats frolic on the mountain crags. The seasons turns, the lions hunt and roar, and humanity is connected to all of this and dependent on all of this as they go to work, counting on the goodness of creation to sustain. This passage shows us beauty, fills us with thanksgiving, teaches us our dependence upon creation, reminds us that all we have 
His beauty and abundance, all of this we need to survive. This psalm can inspire us to move beyond guilt for the problems we've caused, to find strength to make choices that are better for us and better for our world. We can learn to value that connection deeply, that connection to God, that connection to the world God has made for us, and that connection one to another through it. The challenges we face on our planet are not trivial. Our habits must change or our lives will change. And this type of challenge can certainly overwhelm us, frighten us into inaction. I found these words by Kyle Caudill, a Baptist minister in North Carolina, in a devotional this week. They were comforting and encouraging words about how God can refresh in us and strengthen us. He compared our tired lives to overworked soil, dried up and depleted, but reminded that God can do amazing things with this ground. Here are his words. We work so hard and then burn out. We try too hard to please others, only get to get tired of trying to please everyone else. We wish our lives looked like a beautiful garden, but we feel dry as a desert. And in this desert, God gives life in abundance. The same God who waters the mountains and grows the grass gives life and joy in abundance to all who are weary and overworked. When we rest in the life God offers, our very lives become places of immense beauty. That immense beauty that God can create in our lives will help us face the challenges we have in our highly connectional world. That immense beauty God gives us can bless others. And that immense beauty that God can grow in our lives can spill out and help heal our world and be a gift to everyone in the world. Amen.